You're listening to Who Needs Sleep, a podcast for parents. Today's episode, Okay, Now What? Part 1. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Dr. Philip McCallis. And this is Dr. Valerie Lawrence. And thank you for joining us on our podcast. We appreciate it. Welcome back. Uh, Val, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, can't complain. Um, you sure? Watched the presidential debate last night. Oh, it good. Was, it was... Uh, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think a funny thing is, at this point, by the time people are listening to this, it will have been a distant memory. We, 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 we may not even remember oh, it as a thing. thank goodness. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, it's fun. last time, I think the last time that we, we spoke, I think uh, I had mentioned the, the, the country being on fire, um, which... <laughs> After we recorded it, then turned to literal, literally on fire. <laughs> and, then, and then I think it's back to figurative now. Who knows oh, while you're listening to man. this. But, um, you know, thank That's you for joining funny. us. Um, so. Absolutely. Yes, it's always a pleasure yeah. to give you guys as much information as we can and also make it a little entertaining. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, um, so today our episode is about the baby being out. So we're, of course, going to be approaching this from the perspective of our background, our backgrounds. You know, we are doctors. There's a lot of different ways to give birth, places to give birth. By this point, obviously, you've been through all of that. But, um, you know, I think most of our experience has been hospital-based births or occasionally the just outside the hospital in the car births. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's birthing centers, there's home births. I, I think, uh, you know, something that we'll be going through here today is your run-of-the-mill at-the-hospital sort of situation and what things are going to be like there. But having said that, there's a lot that's not going to be much different if you have a home birth or a birth in a birthing center. Um, I think the recommendations are the same. The options for what you can do are 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 the same. Um, you know, and there may be a few things that vary. But we'll go through why we do the things that we do. And Val, you still attend births right now, is that right? Um, I have to be present at every C-section during my shift, and then I only have to be present at vaginal deliveries if they expect some, you know, complication. So, so you, in other words, are present at the deliveries. When uh, when things are going down, when there's <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yes, and you put it that way, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, our podcast again is a, a podcast for parents, but uh, parents, parents to be, expecting parents, grandparents, even uh, you know, caretakers, you know, whoever you are. Uh, I guess the situation at this point in our minds that we're approaching here is that the baby is out. So now what? <laughs> 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 so for um, the deliveries that I attend, um, I'd like to do, you know, my, did you hear that at all? Did you hear that? How could you not hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the soundproofing blanket is not You know, working. so we were talking about this. You know what? This is parenting life, guys. This is it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, buckle up. 
Well, <laughs> if this stays in, that was my child. Yeah. That was my child up front watching Coco Melon, and I guess he's having an objection to one of the songs. So he is <laughs> expressively letting his grandmother know. <laughs> yeah, we are real people with real lives. We're not in like little soundproof glass cages. This exactly. Is, you know, he might so. have just realized that I was missing and he that <laughs> was like, his holler. Just saying, Hey mama, where are you? <laughs> I hear her voice, but all I see in there is a mound of blankets. Oh, <laughs> there was somebody moving in. That's <laughs> So yes, yeah, so since you know I'm in the I'm a hospitalist, and so um, for the deliveries that I have to attend, I usually like to do my exam on the baby, like right when the baby comes mm-hmm. out, especially during C-section births. Um, one of the things we look out for with C-section births is possible respiratory or breathing difficulty due to the fact, you know, while a vaginal delivery, as I like to call it, the baby comes out through the emergency exit. Um, it's a lot, uh, it's a smaller space. <laughs> and as the baby's coming down through the birth canal, you know, the pressure kind of causes, you know, molding or kind of cone shaped of the child's head, but it also helps kind of push fluid out of the lungs. While during a C-section, it's kind of like a fish out of a barrel. Like they really just reach in, take the baby, and take the baby out. So it's kind of a it's it's a it's a crazy process to yes, see. I you know I feel like you're always told you you hear or you see this like little scar, yeah, this little like you know two, two inch scar that's like horrible, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a little straight line the, and nothing that's else. It. Like how does a baby <laughs> fit through that? It doesn't. It doesn't fit through that. <laughs> It doesn't fit through that. It's a process, the C-section. So It's, it's, it's um, a big process. And so, you know, um, so as far as, you know, if you do have the pediatrician there to deliver, especially for a C-section, you're not going to be able to do skin to skin right away. Mm. Some OB-GYNs also will not do delayed cord clamping with the mm. C-section. Depends on the situation, but some of them will, some of them won't. So just kind of keep that in mind if you do end up having to have a C-section. We do allow you to, to have um, skin to skin after we kind of check the baby out and make sure the baby looks okay. And then we'll allow mom to do skin to skin during a C-section. And this is something to keep in mind, of course, uh, regardless of whether you do C-section or vaginal delivery and whether or not the pediatrician is there, somebody will be there doing uh, an examination of your baby after they're born. And I assume many of you have already heard about APGAR scores, mm-hmm. is is what does the baby look like? What is their color? What's their activity? Um, how are they breathing? And all of those kinds of things. But that's really just an acronym to, to sum up how to do these scores. But whoever's there will be doing that assessment on your baby. Yes. I, I assume the same thing goes for at a birthing center. And if you have a midwife or a doula or somebody like that who's helping you at a home birth, they should ideally be doing the same thing. Yeah. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, with vaginal deliveries, they usually like to put the baby on uh, skin to skin with mom immediately if the baby looks okay. And they'll actually do those APGARs while mom is actually holding the baby. So mm-hmm. immediately after the child is out. <laughs> it's, it is kind of a amazing thing to see. It's sort of like, oh, right. that baby's gooey. But no, it makes a lot of sense when you're actually yep. <laughs> in the situation. Um, and it's amazing. You know, the baby goes there. And if you leave them right there, they'll start to kind of shimmy their little way over towards the mm-hmm. breast to feed. It's yeah. it's it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. They are like heat-seeking missiles when it comes to the breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they will find it and they will even mm-hmm. use their hands, their face, and they will... 
they will get to it. Um, a lot of places prefer to do skin to skin for that reason. Just skin to skin helps with the baby's blood sugar levels, helps with the baby's temperature levels, helps with the breastfeeding. It, it's just great when you can do it um, as soon after birth as possible. And, and as many times after. Yes, yes. And then even afterwards, you know, the other parent or caregiver should also skin the skin as well. Just kind of help the baby transition over from being a fish to a human. Yeah. 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 That's And, you know, even babies who, for whatever reason, need to go to the newborn intensive care unit, they, they still try to make sure to schedule time for those babies to go skin to skin because it is so helpful for them in general, mm-hmm. for them to do well, which is kind of an amazing thing. <laughs> um, you know, there's a couple things that do tend to get done pretty quickly after the babies are born. One of them is going to be putting a goop in the baby's eyes. Um, <laughs> um, and that's really to help protect from any infections which may have come from the process of just going through the birth canal. And the other one is a vitamin K injection. And that is something that there's a chunk of people who don't like the idea of having their baby injected with something right after they're born. But there's really no way of knowing uh, what your baby's risk is going to be for what we call hemorrhagic disease of the newborn, which is actually kind of a misnomer because it can uh, happen anytime in yeah. you know, in really like the first year or so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had some parents who were concerned that uh, aluminum is used in the manufacture of this or that. But like with any injection, your your baby's going to get more aluminum in their body through breastfeeding than they will through, <laughs> you know, through anything like that. Absolutely. So, do you remember in residency? We were told about this story. The baby got hemorrhagic disease in a newborn, and the baby was like six months old. I do believe. Uh. Yeah, I well, I I I know that I took care of a baby who had some strokes, actually, mm. uh, some seizures and some strokes months, months, months after they were born for that reason. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah. It it was it's very sad, but it's it is something that we have a tool to help prevent yes. things and and yes. I, yeah the 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 rates of that condition of hemorrhagic disease of the newborn have gone down significantly since making that more of a standard thing yes. again because it's not like blood type you can't predict who's going to be having these issues yeah, so absolutely um, and i know that there are some people who try to say well what about the oral supplementation the oral vitamin k the oral vitamin mm-hmm. K is not as effective and you have to give yeah. multiple doses to equate yeah. to just one injection um, in the first 24 hours of life. And I think that's definitely a good point because there's not a great standardized way of giving oral vitamin K because there's nothing that's equivalent to having a single injection of Absolutely. vitamin K. Yeah, so we both recommend getting both. Even with the erythromycin, I have had some pushback from parents and when they uh, researched it. It was mainly for uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea, but there's all other types of bacteria and flora in the vaginal canal around anus when you're giving birth, you know, other stuff comes out, not just the baby. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those (laughs) things can cause pretty bad eye infections. Also, if you're ruptured and it's a prolonged rupture of membranes. That also is a way other bacteria can kind of, you know, make its way up there and it can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, affect your kid's eyes. The third one, which is given is the hepatitis B vaccine. Mm-hmm. The reason why we give it shortly after birth, because I have a lot of parents who ask, why should the child get a vaccine shortly after birth? 
it's because there is a what we call a window of period to where if mom contracts hepatitis B, there'll be about a three month period where she will test negative when they actually blood test her. So this is why they started to recommend the hepatitis B vaccine in the baby in the first 24 hours of life, just in Mm -hmm. case mom becomes positive later on. Like if she had like a pretty much a false negative in the first three months. That being said, you can also wait to get the hepatitis B at the one-month visit or the two-month visit. It is most effective if that first dose is given in the first 12 hours of life. Which is why if if you're not getting it at that point, it's like, well, you could just pretty much have it at the one or the two month visit because because yeah. <laughs> um, at that time, that window is is really the first first day, preferably the first 12 hours. Actually, since starting the hepatitis B vaccine, which was roughly four decades ago, which makes me feel old, um, <laughs> but, um, the incidence of hepatitis B being passed from the mom to a newborn baby has decreased by 90%. Wow. So there's still a thousand or so kids who still get it in the United States every single year. The reason that we do recommend it is because 90% of the kids who get hepatitis B while they're born are going to have it chronically, and then a quarter of those kids are going to go on to have cirrhosis or liver cancer. So that's uh, that's that's why we do this is because that risk is decreased so much mm-hmm. by starting the hepatitis B vaccine in childhood and in infancy. That's great, ninety percent. I didn't even know it was that mm-hmm. high. Ninety percent. Yeah, yeah. In four right. l- less than four decades, actually, I believe it was 90, 1982. So oh, so thirty eight years. Mm-hmm. So two years off of four decades. Yes, <laughs> almost almost forty years. Not quite, but oh, you know. And I guess when the numbers in, we'll really know whether or not it was worth it. <laughs> No, right? Two more years. Two more years. I was like, wait a minute. No, <laughs> so going back to you just had a baby, you're looking at this baby, and uh, what is it doing? There's a lot of things that you are going to see. If you haven't had a baby before, or if you have had a baby before and it's been a while, or even if you are had a baby in the last couple of years and like me and Val are just tired and you, you don't remember exactly what happened during those that fog of the first couple of days. Your baby is going to be doing things and you're going to wonder whether or not it's okay. The vast majority of things that your baby does are going to be okay. <laughs> so, I agree. Vast majority seems accurate. And and these are things, of course, that you know that, that we're looking for after your baby is born, and you may have questions about. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have a plan for what you would like to do for for feeding and everything, and then oftentimes, especially in the first day or two, you may notice that your baby is having this mucusy kind of stuff that they're spitting up. Part of it could definitely be colostrum or or, or something like that. But it, it is actually very common for babies to have spit up in the first couple days especially if you think just hours prior they were completely encased in a fluid in Mm -hmm. a liquid and that (laughs) includes in their lungs in their stomach and their lungs you know their whole body was surrounded and filled with liquid and so they do have to get this out you will see that happening and that's that's okay your question oftentimes is going to be is this breathing okay that this kid (laughs) is doing in fact i would say the breathing is so weird and kind of noisy and all Mm -hmm. this stuff at first that when you go home in a few days and if your baby starts sleeping a little bit more soundly even for a short period of time 
you're going to be peering over the edge of that bassinet, <laughs> just staring at that baby and being like, you're so quiet. Is that okay? Is you know, that okay? I would like put my hand on my child, <laughs> yep. say, almost like get a mirror and put it mm-hmm. on his nose. Like, Is he still breathing? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'd wake him up. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If it was dark at night, especially, I was like, well, maybe maybe if I just kind of nudge her a little bit. Maybe I kind of nudge her just to make sure that she's breathing. There is oh, something that, that babies do uh, early on in infancy called period breathing and that what happens is oftentimes especially while they're sleeping which is of course when you're just sitting there staring and watching them they will do this thing where they start breathing faster 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 slower 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 mm-hmm. they'll pause for a moment and you freak out and then <laughs> and then they start breathing and they do that same thing and that that is something normal in infancy earlier on this is why actually for even babies in the newborn intensive care unit it's not considered an apnea an actual concerning pause in breathing unless it's longer than 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even like really register as a problem. And if you think about the idea of your baby stopping their breath for even five or 10 seconds, (laughs) it is an eternity of terror, like all in that moment. And it's okay. It does. But I always have to tell my parents, I mean, it freaked me out too Mm -hmm. with my kid. And I always, you know, just have to say, look, your child is transitioning from fish to human. Mm -hmm. So this little funky breathing that he's doing, he's, the baby's never had to breathe before. Mm-hmm. And so he's figuring it out and this is normal. And that's, and this, <laughs> you bring up a good point that even for us, we know it's coming. We know, we know yes. it's coming. We know these things and are I coming. I'm still staring at my child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're sitting here waiting for it. We know it's coming and it's still something that you have to kind of, okay, okay. All right. This is okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If there's any problems with your baby, Whoever is helping you out will probably have the experience to know that there is an actual problem versus something that's just Mm -hmm. normal baby stuff because babies do a lot of things that are kind of crazy and that's okay. (laughs) I, I don't know if maybe that's even built into the way people evolved that we have these things that babies do that kind of freak us out that make us actually pay more attention to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly believe that's why babies are adorable too, in order for mm-hmm. you to pay more attention to them <laughs> because they're mm-hmm, just so mm-hmm. adorable. And you just like, Oh, look at my yeah. child. Look how handsome he, like he just forces you to look mm-hmm. around. So yeah, I agree. I, I want think, to feed you. Exactly. <laughs> I think all that is to say, Hey, I'm here. What are you going to do with me? Let me do something crazy mm-hmm. so that you'll remember that I'm here. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know? yep. You know, and uh, another thing that, that you may notice is is weird skin things with your baby. There are literally entire journal articles uh, of the normal things that happen with babies after they're born mm-hmm. and their skin. And it, like he said, it can fill yeah. a book. The three main things that you're going to see is something called ETN. It's an acronym for erythema toxicum neonatorum. Sounds crazier than it is. And it's just a fancy word for rash. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this rash, it looks like hives or it looks like little um, little like even. pustules. Yeah, like pimples yeah. or pustules with a rim or like a circle of redness around it. It comes and it goes. It is totally normal. Mm -hmm. It comes and goes for months. Yes. Some babies have it up until about eight months of age. It comes and goes. It's your baby's skin basically reacting to being on earth. I mean, that's the best way Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. explain it. Another one is transient postural melanosis. This is usually in darker skin babies, but again, it just kind of looks like little pimples that have erupted. And so the skin kind of looks almost kind of like scaly a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's almost like pustules that have popped, yep. basically. The other thing that's very common, again, it's more in uh, ethnic babies, if you will, is they used to call it <laughs> Mongolian spots. Yep. But now it's yep. called congenital dermal melanosis. For some reason, <laughs> they changed the name Mongolian. from Mongolian I know. spots. And I just said in ethnic babies, <laughs> Mongolian spots. And that's why they changed the name to something more politically correct. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. But why, dermal melanosis. Yes. Or blue macules. Yes, blue uh, macules. So. Yeah. And it, it almost looked like bruising underneath the skin for those babies. Yes. And it's usually on the trunk, on the back. Yeah. It can also be on the shoulders. And it's there at birth and it goes away. Mm-hmm. Those lesions usually go away by the age of four, I think. Yeah, it's, it's it's a gradual thing. I think the other part of it is that they, they yeah. just keep growing and those blue spots stay the same size, you know, as they don't really grow with the kids. Yes. Definitely important to to note when babies are born because if somebody sees them later and is like, is it? a bruise on my kid and you can you can know that this was actually a normal thing it's not actually a bruise at all <laughs> babies can have some facial bruising from going through the birth canal and other you know places they can bruise especially babies who are born uh, large but yeah these uh, blue hatches on the bottom of the back it's pretty common and then uh, one other thing, actually, too, the, the nevus flamus or the stork bites. Mm-hmm. Um, Salmon patches, angel kisses. Yeah. And so babies can get those as well. They're usually little red, flat, smooth kind of lesions on the face or on the nape of the neck. And it's basically just a bunch of blood vessels that just didn't know what to do. So they just all kind of hung out together. <laughs> and those also tend to fade over time yeah years yeah years like my sister it's funny because she had one on her forehead and so it Mm -hmm. still kind of pops up whenever she gets mad it kind (laughs) of and she is in her 40s now so (laughs) it's like the harry potter lightning bolts you just feel anytime it's angry (laughs) Um, exactly you know you may notice that your baby's hands and feet in particular have like a bluish purplish hue to them Mm -hmm. especially shortly after birth that's something that we call acrocyanosis that is also a normal thing yeah. it's actually okay for your baby's hands and feet to be blue especially when they're cold and that will also go away <laughs> that is completely normal as well i know these are all normal things yes and that's okay also something that you may notice is your child's head shape especially with vaginal delivery so your kid's head may be you know a little cone headish and that's just again coming out through that emergency exit baby is trying to fit through a pretty small space i mean 10 centimeters it looks big when you're like i have to dilate to that but when the baby's coming out, it's it's it can be a, a tight fit. So um, your yeah. child's head may be a little misshapen. It's kind of amazing that we do that. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. This is less likely to happen with C-section deliveries because the baby is not coming through the birth canal mm-hmm. for most C-sections. Some of them, you know, we have to do a C-section because the baby is just not progressing or you know, God forbid the baby gets stuck. And then those babies will have, you know, what we call molding of the head. But and vaginal mm-hmm. deliveries... Almost all of them have some molding. That will go away as well. That that usually takes yeah. it. It's usually gone in a couple of days. So Yeah, it definitely it's surprising how quickly the molding yes. can go. And this is actually why um, your baby has different plates of bones in their skull that have not fused yet because it just sort of squishes and moves around to make it so they can get right through there. Mm-hmm. And that will fuse much later on as well. But yeah, you you will oftentimes see, see the molding go away in a day or mm-hmm. two or at least improve in a day or two. And they always put, we always put hats on kids, you know, just to keep the, the warmth <laughs> in, but also to mm-hmm. distract the parents from looking at the kid's head. 
it. <laughs> that's a really good point. It's like, it's like don't look at it. Don't look at the little face. Look at the little face. Don't look at anything else. Just look at that little face. It's a cute baby, cute baby oh, face. Man. Yeah, my daughter had a, a we call it a cephalohematoma, which is like a big bruise up mm-hmm. on the side of her her head after she was born because um, she came out relatively quickly. And sometimes that happens when babies come out quickly, and uh, and that was there for months and months and months and mm. months. Um, <laughs> you know, and honestly, like hats were the name of the game. She did not have a lot of hair, <laughs> so it was like, what hats go on her head right now? Or a little bow with like a right, beard. and you totally yeah. forgot about the cephalohematoma until you took the hat off. You're like, oh, let's put oh, this right. hat right back Ooh, on. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey Val, quick question for you. Yes, what is it? Remember when we were recording that last episode and we ran out of time like halfway through? I do. Did we do it again? We did. Ah. Yep. There's a lot to talk about. That wasn't that long. Well, these people have a baby to take care of. They can't just sit there and listen to us all day. Well, I guess they'll have to join us in our next episode where we keep talking about the same stuff. Right. And in the meantime, just a reminder that we are sharing our thoughts, but please do not rely on this podcast for your actual medical advice. Yes. If you have real questions about your child, even fake questions, (laughs) don't just listen to us. Call your pediatrician who, unlike us, actually knows you and has actually seen your child in person. Unless we are your pediatrician out there in the world, in which case, by all means, give us a call. Call the office, maybe, instead of sending us an email on our podcast. (laughs) Very good point. And until next time, friends, remember, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's easy. You're doing the hard work, so take the time to be kind to yourselves. Agreed. Thanks a lot, everybody. In the words of my child to pretty much everyone, bye, see you soon! (laughs) like that. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 See you soon. <laughs>